pray that by your grace you would move us one step closer to being more like Jesus. May we reflect Jesus well here. May we be fruitful here. I pray that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear what you have to say to each of us this morning. Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the big idea this morning from Colossians chapter 1, where we're going this morning, is that the goal of discipleship is spiritual maturity, i.e. becoming more like Jesus. The goal of discipleship is spiritual maturity, i.e. becoming more like Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have it, go ahead and look up at the screen with me. Colossians 1.28 Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that powerfully works within me. And all God's people said, Amen. So I just want to start here with with focusing in on what Paul's goal in discipleship was and what his strategy to get there was in discipleship. His goal, he said in verse 28 here that he proclaimed Jesus. Him is referring to Jesus. We proclaim Jesus, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone mature in Christ. See, Paul's aim for the churches were for them to grow up and become fully mature followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. Those who are responsible, those who are discerning, those who are loving, those who are like Jesus. Every Christian has been destined by God the Father to become conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29. And that is what spiritual maturity looks like. Spiritual maturity can be summed up in becoming more like Jesus. Thinking, speaking, and living more like Jesus. We sang that this morning. I want to be more like you, Jesus. That's our goal here. We want to know Jesus and we want to become like Him. We want to reflect Him. And the way that Paul got there, the way Paul's strategy for getting there, the what was helping people get mature in Christ. And the how was proclaiming Jesus, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, warning people of the consequences of rejecting Jesus and his ways and teaching them how to follow Jesus in his ways. And not only did he proclaim, but Paul leaned upon the grace and the power of God that was provided through the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 29. See, Paul wasn't just doing ministry. He wasn't doing ministry in his own strength. He, Verse 29, he did toil. He did struggle. He was intentional. He did exert himself and he gave himself and he was spent for the gospel's sake. And that's what mature people do. They spend themselves for the gospel's sake. Spiritually mature people shift from this self-oriented 
mentality to this Christ-centered mentality, to this others-oriented mentality. And that was what the Apostle Paul was doing. And he wasn't doing that in his own strength. It wasn't all up to him to make that happen. He relied upon the power of the Spirit, the grace of God working in his life. You know, he said this in, in first, first Corinthians 15.10. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And God's grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more and more than the rest of the, than the rest of the apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You see, that's a mature perspective. That's a mature mentality. That's a spiritually mature mentality that you're lead, that one is depending upon the grace of God. And then any good fruit and effectiveness in ministry that comes from your life, a spiritually mature person doesn't say, hey, that was, that was all me. I did it myself. A spiritually mature person has grown in the grace of God. They become acquainted with the grace of God. Because the grace of God, as Charles Spurgeon said, is like that sap, that spiritual life that, that empowers and enables us to be who God's called us to be. And so Paul did what he did with the, with the power and the energy that worked within him. And here in verse 29, I love that you can see the sovereignty of God or the work of God and you can see the responsibility of man. And a mature Christian, a spiritually mature Christian, has learned how to embrace both of those. See, immature Christians are irresponsible and they just think everything's just going to be done for them. Parents, you know, we, many of us have little ones around here, right? And, and one of the marks of, of immaturity that, that we often see in our children is, is maybe them not picking up after themselves, right? Or they're, they're just going to wait for somebody else to do it. Somebody else to feed them. Somebody else to dress them. Somebody else to give them what they want. And they'll cry for it. And that's okay when they're a newborn. That's okay when they're one or two years old, right? But when they get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, they need to start changing themselves. They need to start taking their bowl to the sink when they're done with it, right? They need to start feeding themselves and transition from just milk to meat. All right? And all the mamas, nursing mamas say, Amen, we need to get them from, from the milk to the solid food as soon as we can, right? Is it not one of your goals as a parent to see your children be developed and mature and a godly, responsible person in society who doesn't just consume but who contributes to the good of the family, of the community, of the church, of, of the world around. You see, a spiritually mature person is not just a consumer, just crying, feed me, feed me. A, a, a spiritually mature person has grown up and they, they don't just have their own struggles, they've moved beyond their own struggles to where they struggle for other people. They struggle for other people. You see, spiritually immature Christians are consumed with their own struggles. That's all they really think about is their own struggles. They're just trying to make it. They're just trying to grow. And that's okay for a season if you're a spiritual babe. But there comes a time when, when moms and dads, well, when, when, it's, when, when, when it's time to be a mom and dad, to have the mentality of a mother or a father where you take care of somebody else. You help someone else grow into their full potential. 
Paul likened his ministry of, of discipleship and leading people to Christ to that of a parent, to that of a father. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, I exhorted you like a father does with his children. Or he says, like a mother, I was gentle and I, and I nurtured you and I imparted to you not only the gospel itself, but my very own life. You see, discipleship, an aspect of discipleship is being like a father or a mother where you're caring for somebody else. You're not just thinking about your own needs. Okay, so Paul's goal in discipleship was spiritual maturity, which I would say is synonymous with Christ-likeness. You want to help others become like Jesus. And while you're helping others become like Jesus, you're also seeking that more for yourself because we all need growth continually. Nobody has arrived. And preaching this message this morning, I don't want to come across as if I've arrived. Okay, I recently pulled out my verse packs because I realize I've been slacking on scripture memory. And I realize that if I'm going to challenge other people to become more acquainted with the Bible and feed on the word of God, then I need to be doing that myself with, through scripture memory. That's just one discipline found to be very helpful in my spiritual growth. So what does it mean to be mature in Christ? Uh, and how do we get there? So the commentator Kent Hughes says, Christ-focused exposition progressively matures God's people as they learn to see Christ in all of Scripture and understand that the gospel is as old as the garden. Moreover, because Christ is the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, Christ-focused exposition presents Him as the source and the sustainer of spiritual maturity. One of our commitments here is to be a, a gospel-centered people, a people who are, handle the Bible with integrity, and we put the emphasis on Jesus and on the gospel because that's what the Bible's about. And that is what any Christian needs to grow, is they need to hear about Jesus. If they're going to grow and become like Jesus, they need to hear who Jesus is, what he said, how he lived, and they just need to focus in on Jesus until Jesus rubs off on them. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18. He said, but we all with unveiled faces are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're looking at the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We're beholding that, we're seeing that, and we're being changed. And so Paul, his message was Jesus Christ. I preached Christ, I preached the gospel. And he just kept preaching that until the churches would be rooted and grounded in Jesus, until they would know Jesus intimately and accurately, and then that they would do the things that Jesus did, that they would speak the things that Jesus spoke. Turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I have four four marks of a spiritually mature Christian that I want to want to highlight and there's two of those marks are found in Ephesians 4 starting in verse 11. Ephesians 4 verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for what? For the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God 
to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that that it builds itself up in love. So the first mark of a spiritually mature Christian is they are doctrinally stable. Spiritually mature Christians are doctrinally stable. I could probably have like 20 points on what spiritually mature Christians look like. But for the sake of our time, uh, I'm going to spare you that. So here are four specifically today. They're spiritually stable. Paul says, he argues the opposite about the spiritually immature. He argues that they're unstable. So the implication is that spiritually mature people are stable. They're not tossed by every wind of doctrine that they hear. Every new book and every new preacher and every new message that they hear, they're not blown away from biblical truth that they've learned, basics that they've learned about the faith. You see, a spiritually mature Christian has developed biblical conviction concerning the essentials of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are basics that spiritually mature Christians have learned and they practice and they teach others those, those, those basics. And so Paul uses this, this, um, this imagery of a child, a little child that's blown by the wind, by every wind of doctrine, every teaching. When I was a new Christian, I remember I had genuinely got saved on fire from God. God delivered me from drugs and just a a terrible lifestyle of immorality, of anger, rage, you know, just a lot of darkness. I could go on and on, but we have our children here this morning, so I won't uh, go into detail. Um, But I, I remember as a new Christian, I was watching TV, which, by the way, is not good for your spiritual growth. If you want to grow spiritually, don't spend a lot of time watching TV. Um, so I was watching TV and on, on TV came a commercial and it said, if you want a better revelation of Jesus Christ, give us a call and we will come to you and we will bring you this book. And it is called the Book of Mormon. And so I'm like, yeah, I want a better revelation of Jesus. I want to know Jesus better. I'm hungry for Jesus, right? I'm a new Christian. I don't know any better. And so I call these guys up and they show up. They show up with the Book of Mormon to to disciple me, to teach me the better way, right? Which was not the better way. It was a, a, a false gospel. Uh, Paul said it in Galatians chapter 1, if anybody preaches another gospel, let them be accursed, Right? And so these guys showed up and I didn't know any better and praise God. I had a, my stepfather who was much more grounded in the faith than I was heard about it and, or he sh- just happened to show up. I think he showed up and man, he had something to say to those guys, right? <laughs> he he, he kind of scared them off. He, he protected me. He saw some wolves coming and he was protecting the little sheep who was like, Oh, let's go over here. Let's see what they got to say. Right. And so I was like this little babe, this new Christian, just swayed by every wind of doctrine. Oh, tell me what to believe. I'll believe it, right? 
And praise God that we have a Bible to help ground us and we can filter everything that's taught through the scriptures. And this is accessible to each one of us so that we can know sound, true doctrine and be grounded in it. One of the things we see in Paul's epistles, in his letters, is he's consistently concerned about the stability, the spiritual strength and stability of the church. Because there were all kinds of teachings out there going on. There was legalism, there was uh, mysticism, there was um, Gnosticism. There were all kinds of philosophies. There were all kinds of, of different beliefs that, that people would get sucked into, much like today. Actually, it just seems to increase. There's even more, you know, just all kinds of different beliefs and religions that you can get sucked away in. And you and I, if we want to be spiritually mature, we need to be grounded in the truths of the gospel uh, here's just one of the verses, just continuing in Colossians 2. Uh, and actually, I think Kevin uh, quoted this uh, this morning in worship. It says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in with thanksgiving. So, so Paul's exhorting the Colossians. In the very next verse, verse 8, he says, Beware lest anyone take you captive through philosophy, all right? He's warning the Colossian church about heretical teaching, about things that would draw them away and suck them away as Christians. And he exhorted them to be rooted and grounded like a tree that's rooted and grounded. Psalm 1, any of you children know Psalm 1? Can you quote it for me? Blessed is the man. That was excellent. Psalm 1, 1 through 6, very good. You make your parents... Proud there, Gabe. As parents, we want our kids to be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf doesn't wither, and whatever they do, prosper. We want our children to flourish, and we want them to flourish through being rooted and grounded in Jesus. We are like trees, and trees that don't have a strong root system, what happens to them? We've heard stories about them. They fall down. Wind blows massive trees that have shallow root systems. Those trees get knocked down. And if we don't get rooted in the gospel truths, the basic truths, then we will get knocked down when, when somebody has a, a winsome argument. And so we should be rooted. Paul uses this analogy as being rooted. That's, by the way, one of the, one of the reasons I'm encouraging all our church to memorize those five assurances. Assurance of salvation, assurance of forgiveness of sins, assurance of victory over sin, assurance of uh, guidance, and assurance of... What's that? Answered prayer. Thank you. Uh, John 16, 24. One of the reasons why I'm encouraging our church to memorize those verses is so that you can be rooted and grounded in the basic truths of Scripture. Those are very basic. I think every Christian should have 1 John 1, 9 memorized. I think every Christian should have 1 Corinthians... 10, 13 memorized. Every Christian should have uh, 1 John 5, 13, and 14 memorized. If, if you'll get those in you, that will help ground you. That will help ground you in uh, basics of the faith. Okay, so Paul uses that analogy. He also uses the analogy of being built up. I got a picture of a kid playing with Jenga. In Jenga, one of the strategies is to try to keep that thing stable and to not let it 
fall, right? We want to be built up and we want to be stable. We don't want to easily get knocked over by what other people are telling us. So the, the next thing is that the spiritually mature speak the truth in love. So we looked at doctrinally one of the aspects of the spiritually mature. They're stable doctrinally. They've learned some basics. They know the basics. They practice the basics. They can teach others the basics. Can you teach others the basics? Do you, do you need a refresher in the basics? Do you still need milk or are you ready for meat? Are you feeding on meat as a Christian? The spiritually mature speak the truth in love. Verse After verse 14, he goes to 15 and he, and he contrasts being like a child tossed to and fro by the wind. And by the way, the Bible does uh, commend us being like a child in one sense that we be humble like little children. We should be humble like little children, uh, but not childish, not not foolish and silly, right? We're, we're exhorted to grow up and be mature. And so here's the contrast here. Uh, rather, Instead of being like a child tossed to and fro, rather we should speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Spiritually mature people have learned to speak the truth in love. Notice the, the second part of that. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. That's the goal, remember? Christ-likeness. Spiritual maturity equals Christ-likeness. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. So immature people don't speak the truth in love. They maybe try to love somebody without telling them the truth. Or they lay the truth on them and they don't do it lovingly. Or they just avoid that person. They just, they just cut that person off. Spiritually immature people don't know how to work through relational conflict. They act like children when it comes to working through relational conflict. They bicker, they fight, there's strife, there's envy, there's jealousy. And this isn't just a problem in our day. This was a problem in the first century too. The apostle Paul had to address a church for being characterized by spiritual infancy, even though they were very gifted spiritually. They had spiritual gifts. They could prophesy. They could speak in tongues. They could do miracles. They did some pretty spectacular things when it came to spiritual gifts. But Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3 that they were babies. They were infants spiritually. They thought they were, they, they were so far along in their walk because of their giftedness. They had the gifts of the Spirit, but they lacked the fruit of the Spirit. They lacked the character of the Spirit. And, and one of the, the very first fruit mentioned in, of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. A spiritually mature person has learned to love. They've shifted from a self-centered mentality, being self-oriented to others-oriented, to being Christ-centered. And so spiritually mature people speak the truth in love. This is a mark of a spiritual Christian. And this is also the means by which we grow spiritually. Spiritually spiritually mature Christians speak the truth in love. But this helps other Christians grow. This, This will help you grow in your faith when you learn to speak the truth in love. I'm sure there's somebody here that has a relationship that they need to confront. They need to say something. They need to engage. They may need to apologize. They may need to ask for forgiveness. They may need to warn or bring some correction uh, lovingly and graciously. This is a mark of a, of a spiritually mature Christian. Jesus was full of what? What was he full of according to John 1, 14 and 18? He was full of 
Grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And being a spiritually mature Christian means that we're full of grace and truth too. We're like Jesus. We're full. We speak the truth in love. We communicate the truth in love, not with harshness, not by being passive aggressive. You try to get revenge on somebody, but by being, being honest and being real and confronting the issue, not running away from it, not, not just sweeping it under the rug, addressing it. Jesus didn't sweep sin under the rug. He died on the cross for it. He confronted it. And He told people, go and sin no more. Repent. Okay, so the spiritually mature are able to do that. And spiritually mature people stay in relationships where that's happening. The immature will run when they're experiencing this, speaking the truth. Ooh, that hurt. Don't tell me. I'm going to this other church. Or I'm out of here. Or or uh, whatever relationship it is, when somebody starts speaking the truth in love, the immature run away from it. I mean, we see that with our kids, right? When you try to bring correction, uh, it's immaturity in them that just, they shut down. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, they, they run away, right? That's immaturity. We want them to grow out of that. We want to be able to reason with them and have healthy conversations with them about areas of struggle. Next thing is that spiritually mature Christians are others-oriented, Christ-centered and others-oriented. Philippians 2, 3 through 5, it says, Do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind in you among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus had this mindset. That he's going to serve other people. He's going to wash feet. Okay, parents, for us, that part of that might be changing dirty diapers. All right? Changing dirty diapers, right? Washing. We're going to serve our children. We're going to love our children. We're going to be gracious with them. Even when there may be a, a lack of appreciation or gratitude. Spiritually mature are focused on others. Now again, we have, we have three, three or four newborns in, in our fellowship that were rec- recently added to our church family. And we don't expect those little kids, those newborns, to do much more than cry, eat, sleep, and poop. Use the restroom, right? Uh, we don't expect, and, and look super cute, right? That, they do contribute cuteness and joy to the family, right? Yeah. But when it comes to chores and getting stuff done around the house, they don't contribute much more, right? That, than, than, than their cuteness and the joy that they bring. And that's okay for year one, maybe year two. But then you start getting the year four, five, and six. We want the kids to grow up. We want them to start eating themselves and eating solid foods. The spiritually mature are others-oriented, Christ-centered 1 Corinthians 3, I referenced this. So Paul addressing the Corinthians, he said this, I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Paulos, are you, are you not being merely human? So the implication here is that 
Immature spiritual people are self-oriented. They're selfish. There's jealousy. There's strife. There's bickering. There's fighting. There's complaining from the immature, right? And that is taxing on mom and dads, right? Trying to raise up. We, we struggle with our children to help get them to maturity. And a part of that struggle is being patient, being patient with them. By the way, spiritually mature people are patient. They've learned to be patient. They can wait. Just this morning, my, my three-year-old was asking, she has a sucker. Can I have my sucker now? Can I have my sucker now? No, you have to wait till after the service. Can I have my sucker now? She kept asking, can I have my sucker now? No, you have to wait till after, right? That's, that's a part of being a child and being immature. But we want, we want our children to grow out of that. Christians, I want you to grow out of that in any way. Grow out of, grow out of bickering and fighting and envy and jealousy and strife and, uh, murmuring and complaining. The immature murmur and complain when things get tough. Instead of rejoicing, instead of being patient, instead of giving thanks and recognizing that God is doing something in the hard circumstances in your life, the immature, they just get discouraged and they just whine. They throw a fit and it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So the spiritually mature are self-oriented. And then lastly, the spiritually mature are skilled in the Word of God. The spiritually mature are skilled in the Word of God. This is going to be my last scripture verse here. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Hebrews 5, 11 and 14 through 14. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish from good and evil. Now this is a, this is a strong correction. Uh, from, from the book of Hebrews towards those who have been Christians for a while and they should have been further along in their walk. They should have transitioned to start thinking about other people and discipling other people, but they weren't discipling others. They were still needing to be fed milk. And milk is just, milk is referred to here as the basics. And we should know the basics well. I, I still love a good glass of milk and a bowl of cereal, right? Milk's great. But I want meat. I want a hamburger. I want a steak. I want flavor, right? And, and milk from a mother is, is, it's nourishment that's been processed and given to a, a child, right? Spiritually mature people have learned to feed themselves and, and break, get into the word and cut it up and chew it and eat it and develop uh, some skill in the word of God, become familiar with it. And they've done so by, by acting upon it and using their power to discern. They're, they've exercised discernment, their discernment to discern both good and evil. They've, they've filtered thoughts and decisions through the Word of God. The mature have spent time evaluating everything that they're watching, everything that they're listening to, everything that they're doing. They spent time to filter those things through the Word of God and sift out those things that don't honor Christ. That's what the spiritually mature do. So how do we grow? How do we grow into mature disciples? How do we get there? We've talked about what a spiritually mature Christian looks like. 
what he doesn't look like or she doesn't look like. The first, first thing I would say is that we need to feed on the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God is like that spiritual milk and it's, it, it's also meat. First Peter 2. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So long for the, the milk of the word, okay? That's a good thing. If you're, if you're a new Christian, that's a good thing for you to get milk of the word. And, and even more seasoned saints still need to, to feed on those basics as well. We need to know those basics well. So feed on the word of God. And, and this is, this would be reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible, reflecting on the Bible. Does the Word of God have more influence in your life than your favorite TV show or movies, your radio station, or whatever else? What is the greatest influence over your heart and your mind? Is it the Word of God? Are you being washed with the water of the Word? Are you feeding on the Word of God? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we need this if we're going to grow spiritually. The next thing is we need to exercise our discernment, filtering our thoughts and decisions through the Scripture. Don't just listen to the Word, but put it to practice. Use it to filter everything through your life and then make decisions based upon the influence of what the Word of God says. Spiritually mature people have engaged in exercise. They've become responsible in spiritually exercising themselves, exercising their senses to discern both good and evil. And then uh, participate in, in Christian community. Be committed and connected. And don't just be a consumer in the church, but be a contributor to the Christian community. Now again, if you're a babe, it's okay. Little Justice is just a couple weeks old. And in our family, we're not expecting him to do a whole lot, but just receive love from the family. Christians need love and they need truth to flourish. Okay? And it's in the context of a church that love and truth should abound and, and, and should cause nourishment for the child of God to grow into uh, the man and woman God has called them to be. Notice verse 16, Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's not just for the pastor to be working properly and bringing his part. It's for every part of the body to contribute. And when every part of the body brings a part, and, and your part, at times it may feel insignificant, know that it's not. Know that it adds to you bringing your testimony, you bringing your word of encouragement, you serving with the children or serving with hospitality or, or on the worship team or in the AV, in the sound booth. Whatever you're doing where you're serving in the body of Christ, ushering, uh, those things are significant. It adds to your prayers make a difference. You're, you're uh, engaging in worship and, and expressing your love and faith in the Lord corporately adds to what God is doing here and the growth of what God is uh, bringing in our people here. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce said this. He said, uh, he said, the revelation of God cannot be properly known apart from the cultivation of brotherly love 
within Christian community. Okay? So, if, if, if somebody's trying to be a lone ranger and grow spiritually independently of the body of Christ, it's not going to be very effective. See, God's designed Christian growth to occur being in community. Okay? Actually, you be, when you, when, when, when Christians isolate themselves from other Christians, they become more susceptible to, to error, to discouragement, to the enemy's attacks and so on. Lastly, right here, I could mention several other things that would contribute to our growth, but here's the last one here. Let patience have its perfect work in you. Spiritually mature people are, are patient. And they've let patience have its perfect work in them. And the way to get there, uh, part of it, is to embrace what God's doing in you through hard times. You got pressure on your job right now. Uh, moms, you got pressure at home with the kids right now. You got, you have some kind of trial going on in your life. Well, James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let patience or steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Other translations say mature. I believe it's the word teleos in, in Greek. Someone who's uh, matured and, and, and reached their potential. And so a, a part of the way to get there is to embrace what God's doing in you. Okay? Times are tough at work right now. Embrace what God's doing in you. There's a struggle there's a struggle. You, you have a health struggle. You have a relational struggle. What's God doing in you? Don't, don't blow off frustration through complaining, gossiping, murmuring, getting revenge. Instead, submit to the beautiful work that God is doing in your heart. Let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Amen? So what are your next steps for growth? What are your next steps for growth? Following Jesus is a process and it takes one step at a time. It's one step at a time. None of us here have arrived. Though we may have some folks here who are spiritually mature and further along in the journey, we haven't arrived. We still have steps to take. We still have ways to grow. And so in prayer, I'd like to close... Asking God to show us what are our next steps. And following Jesus, what's your next steps? To become more like Him. To become others oriented. To become more stable and consistent and grounded in the Word of God. What are your next steps? Let's pray. Father, we so need Your grace. We so need Your help. You have called us to be like Your Son, Jesus, to reflect Him in our thinking, speaking, and living. And we need You. We need the power of Your Spirit to change us. So would You show us what those next steps are? Show us uh, what You want us to do. Show us what you, You want to change in our thinking Help us to have some practical steps leaving here today of where you want to take us. We pray this for your glory. Pray this for the good 
of our family, for the good of our co-workers, for the good of our church, that we would abound in love and abound in the fruit of the Spirit, God. That we would be more discerning, more patient, more loving, more faithful, more consistent, more stable in Jesus. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.